0: Welcome to the King's Place podcast. Um, I'm Helen Wallace, and we're here on the very day that Beethoven died 188 years ago to talk about the series Beethoven Plus. And I'm here with the series directors, violinist Krisha Osostovic and Dan Tong, pianist, and also the composers, some of two of the composers who are have been commissioned to write pieces of music that reflect or are inspired by. Uh, Beethoven's Violin Sonatas, and I have David Matthews here and Elspeth Brooke. So, Krisha, if you could start us off, what inspired this series? Because in some ways, Beethoven's 10 Violin Sonatas are a world in themselves and so full of contrast and variety. Why did you need this extra strand?
1: Well, um, about three years ago, I think Dan and I first started working together seriously on Beethoven's Sonatas. And we got along very well, we found ourselves thinking in similar ways about the music. And it just seemed like a natural step to want to expand the project, um, partly to give ourselves more opportunities to play Beethoven in a slightly more interesting and creative context. Um, and the, the, I, I guess the idea just popped into my head one day that, that we could do this and I thought no that's crazy we can't get 10 composers to write pieces and, and I just ran it past a few people and they all said that's a great idea go for it so I thought oh my goodness <laughs> and one thing led to another and I think I hardly realized what a big project it was going to be Um, there was the great excitement of getting in touch with all the composers including David and Elspeth who are here today and there was the excitement of raising the money to to do it all which was a big project in itself Mm. and of course what really got it going was when King's Place agreed to host it as a series because that gave us a platform from which to launch the whole thing and of course now we'll be playing all the Beethoven Sonatas and all the new pieces in various venues around the country so King's Place is just the beginning and so having put all this in place I thought oh that's great we're going to do it and then I thought, oh my goodness, we've actually got to do it. <laughs> the pieces started coming through the post, and I remember you said
0: that one of the one of the ideas was that you always bring Beethoven sonatas into the present tense every time you yes, perform them. that's right, and that this was a way of t- taking it a step further. It
1: certainly feels that way because I think the way that Dan and I work together is that we're always trying to see the thing from the point of view of the composer, why the notes are the way they are, how it might have been different, what the composer decided to do. And so it just did seem like the next step to see what other composers would do if they were inspired by the same materials. So it's a sort of way of creative listening. Yes, exactly. And and it's been fascinating for us to see how the composers respond in so many different ways and it also makes us see and hear beethoven's music a little differently because everyone brings a fresh perspective to it so that feeds in somehow to our way of thinking
0: and can i bring dan in here because i know you've commissioned uh, jonathan dove obviously david matthews elspeth brooke kurt Schwerzig, a huge range of composers What's come back from your commissions? I know that you've received a lot of the pieces now. Yes,
2: indeed. I mean, the first thing is that Beethoven is always challenging. And even today, and, and deliberately so, I think, and his music is, he, he never writes a similar thing twice. He never pursues the same argument twice. Um, he always tries to break boundaries or or take a new step or push something further. So he, I think this is one reason why Kreisha and I thought, this might work you know beethoven is is a is a composer to whom people want to respond because he challenges them and this is exactly what we found when we approached composers almost everybody jumped at the chance we certainly didn't have to go around desperately trying to to persuade (laughs) people i mean it it was something that people were clearly inspired by and and the results that we have are really interesting because they, they have a huge range and it kind of sums up the range of Beethoven's own personality and I've, I've noticed that there are certain aspects of Beethoven that people really seem to be latching onto to I mean clearly there's the the drama and the, the kind of uncompromising aspect that we all know about him but there's a huge amount of of humor too and there's a, yeah. and a huge amount of invention and that the pieces respond in very different ways um, some people have written pieces that deliberately lead into a Beethoven sonata um, others have written pieces that really don't quite make sense if you haven't already heard the Beethoven Um, and so we have a a huge range we're just waiting for three more Um, so it's all it's very exciting now
0: we heard a very exciting piece that Matthew Taylor has written that is inspired by the Kreutzer, the very dynamic energy of the Kreutzer Sonata. What did you make of that, David? Because we've just heard... Krisha and Dan play that? I thought
3: a lot of it was very Beethovenian. There are lots of jokes, there are lots of false endings. I kept thinking it was, he's, he's, he's going to end now and then he carries on. <laughs> <laughs> he, he keeps deceiving you and then it ends very abruptly on yes. this, um,
2: right, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. note. I think Beethoven might have enjoyed that piece. Matthew's piece certainly, although it's not in a kind of sonata form, it, it picks up on lots of Beethoven's techniques yes you know there's a yeah. glorious recapitulation in fortissimo and and he fragments the themes and plays around with bits of them and mm. and you know it's it, um it does feel a bit like playing a, a sort of hyperactive piece of Beethoven yeah yes, yes.
4: yes. Mm. <laughs> I think there's I feel like I just want to read about Beethoven and listen to Beethoven <laughs> for, like, for the rest of the day now. <laughs> yes. now that we start talking about it and it's just yeah and I
0: remember, Krishi you were saying to me that you felt this could be done now in 2015 because composers no longer felt so intimidated mm. by Beethoven, but they felt more intrigued and inspired by him.
1: Yes. Well, I, I, I remember reading, for example, that, that Brahms, he took a very long time to feel that he could write a string quartet because he said, how can any of us write a string quartet with Beethoven's shadow Mm -hmm. looming over us? Mm -hmm. And I think that was probably the case for a very long time that Beethoven was the composer that had kind of set the agenda, as it were, and he was... Beethoven was always revolutionising his own work, Mm -hmm. let alone the challenge of anyone else trying to take over that um, Mm -hmm. sort of relay race, (laughs) it would take up the baton. Whereas now I think that there are so many different possibilities of writing there isn't just these days there isn't just one composer in the world that everyone looks up to and and therefore I think Beethoven can be an inspiration but not necessarily a frightening one in the way well, that David, he used to be. David David Matthews do you do you think that's the case?
3: Well for me Beethoven for has always been my great hero and in fact it was Beethoven who started me as a composer because I, I heard his Ninth symphony and I thought, this is so wonderful, I want to do something like this myself. And he's always been, remained a, a central figure for me. He's always been my favourite composer, and particularly the late music, which is why when I was asked to choose a sonata, I chose the last one,
2: mm.
3: which is approaching the late music. It's, it's, it could be called in almost the first of the late pieces,
0: and so you didn't feel, you, you feel, when you look at a score of him, you feel intrigued by it. I, I learn from him it. all the time. Mm-hmm.
3: And while Beethoven certainly was a revolutionary and what he did transformed music, his harmonic language, in fact, is not revolutionary. It, it, it has great links with the past. In fact, it's not, it's not as daring in some ways as Mozart's, his, his harmony. Mm-hmm. His, his attitude to form is very interesting. I mean, he transformed sonata form. But I've always been interested in sonata form too and um, because I think it's so interesting mm-hmm. and and you can still do new things with it. It's a form that, um, that can be varied in, in, in infinite ways, it seems to me. And also Beethoven's other concerns with counterpoint and fugue, for example, they, they interest me too. In the way that perhaps not many composers are interested in those sorts of things nowadays. But I've always just been so interested in them that I've wanted to carry on. Yes, you're um, carrying on that conversation, mm, mm, carrying on that conversation. Sense. It does feel like a conversation, really? Yes.
0: yes. And so, Elspeth, you're from a younger generation of composers, where perhaps some of the aspects of Beethoven's um composition, as we was just saying, form and fugue and counterpoint and ways of dislocating themes and motives, it, they're not foregrounded necessarily in your music and perhaps you're more interested in another side of it.
4: Well, I am interested in all those those things as well and similarly I've been learning an awful lot from just looking in great detail at the um, sonata, the E-flat sonata. Um, I don't, it's so huge, it's very It's very difficult to sort of draw different things out because there there is just so much it feels like even in just the first movement of the sonata that yes. I've been looking at there are so many different musical ideas the diversity of material the diversity of the way that the material is explored and vary the variety but still the coherence Mm -hmm. within the material that's that's the thing that's really sort of it just feels really central to composing in general.
1: I felt very interested by what you were saying earlier about how perhaps one of your most interesting areas for you in music is timbre and how Mm -hmm. somehow when you looked at the Beethoven that seemed less relevant and that must have been really challenging to because you, I mean, you could easily decide to go completely a different way. I think it's very interesting that that you're kind of looking at that difference and yeah. wondering what to what to do with it.
4: Yeah, I think at this really early stage, I'm still really grappling with whether to um, whether that that's what I would naturally do, particularly when I was writing for a string
1: instrument. So but you would you would base your composition around ideas of tone, color, and texture.
4: Yeah, that would definitely be a, a really sort of forefront yes. parameter. Yeah. yeah, obviously there's timbre just in the range of the two instruments mm. and, you know, before getting into things like solponts and soltasto mm. and if I can explore that and, mm. like, one of the words I've written down is octaves, mm. which is <laughs> something that I think I can think about more and just mm. engage with more and that's something mm. that's really strong Striking me about the sonata. Because actually
1: just to to latch on to that, certainly for me as a string player, I love playing with piano and it's Mm. a particular challenge because Mm. I also play with a string quartet in which the whole point is to be individual but also totally blend your sound so that sometimes you can't tell which instrument is playing. With violin and piano that's clearly not an option because the instruments are opposite (laughs) to each other and Beethoven doesn't compromise in any sense. There are other composers who write for say violin and piano and they just decide that the two instruments are so different that they're mm. not going to try and relate them. They'll mm. they'll write a totally different violin part and a totally different piano part. Yes. Beethoven just simply doesn't do that. Mm. Um, it's like three people. There are the two hands of the piano and the violin, and they have to completely relate mm. to each other. Mm. And so I have to think very much, very differently about the way I play, and I have to begin my notes very clearly. Yes, the yeah. projection needed and, is very different. Li- equally, it? Dan's challenge probably is to... Create an illusion of sustaining notes in mm. the way that a string instrument mm. can, in the it's, piano. It's very can.
2: interesting, isn't it? Because um, I think it was Stravinsky who famously said, "Was it? There's just no point. Don't don't try to write a mm. violin and piano piece where the where the sounds blend. You know, but, but mm. set them up as opposites. Whereas in a in a Beethoven sonata, or certainly one of the earlier ones, you can see in the way that he constructs the musical argument and he shares the material that he intends us to be doing something similar. But maybe it would be a mistake to think that Beethoven throughout his life wasn't concerned with with timbre especially sitting here next to to David and thinking about the opus 96 sonata mm. and some of his extremely interesting pedal markings and mm. and the difference of the kind of sound world of the of the very kind of choral like slow movement compared to the yes. much more sort of ike scherzo or something you know i mean there, there's an element of it
0: and david your your piece just to go back to that because you've done something rather clever with the structure of your piece and the structure of the last sonata
3: well i thought i i would write a a, a sonatina i've never never done this actually I, i've written some violin and piano pieces but they're they're not they're not related to the sonata and i thought i'd like to write a, a piece which was related very much to the form of this sonata but would be very very compressed so what beethoven does in 20 minutes. I do in seven. But I do have four movements like Beethoven and they are in the same form. There's a, there's, a, there's a first movement, which is a sonata movement, a terribly short one, two minutes. And then there's a slow movement and a scherzo, which only lasts one minute. And um, a finale. Well, the finale is rather different from Beethoven's, but the other movements are really similar in, in some ways.
0: Yes, and so will this be played before or after? Krisha. Have you
3: decided? I
1: haven't quite decided. No, probably probably before. Before. How do you feel about that, David?
3: Uh, Yes, I I think probably before. Yes, I don't think actually following Beethoven is a bit difficult.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We have have an extraordinary programme to end our series, and we couldn't resist because uh, um, there are three consecutive opus numbers, but more than that, there are three pieces on which Beethoven was working almost simultaneously, Mm. which are incredibly different. Um, the, the gritty Opus 95 String Quartet, and then this wonderful Violin Sonata, and then mm. the Archduke Trio. Mm. So, in fact, we won't be finishing our cycle with a Violin Sonata, but but for very good reason because it's it's such a we couldn't resist that program. Yes, really. yes, that <laughs> yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, turning to you again, Elspeth, you you have written some very interesting electroacoustic um, pieces, I know, and you you often explore sound in that slightly different way with with your music but how does your how does your work with recorded sound and amplified sound how does that inform the way that you approach acoustic instruments
4: well partly if because i work on a sequencing program logic that just affects how you think structurally quite a lot because you're used to sort of cutting material and then just how I've been using sound, just like trying to find connections, whether it's through pitch or timbre between the sound of the wind or whatever and then some sort of string timbre, it could be something like that.
1: In fact, oh, yes. um, it's quite interesting hearing you talk about this because I'm now starting to think about the way in which the third sonata, which mm. you're responding to, um, it differs hugely from the second one and the first one and again all three are in the one set opus 12 which were written at around the same time Mm. and beethoven seems to be trying out totally different things in each of the three Mm. so i'd say that the first sonata he's saying here i am i'm writing a classical violin sonata Mm. and it's just a perfect example of that in a wonderful way very fresh and very kind of exuberant and um but very classical. And then the second sonata is was one of our friends has sort of described it as an anti-sonata mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't do any of the things that the first one does. It, it starts in a very strange way with the violin doing a little bit of accompaniment while the piano plays something that isn't even a tune. It's a mm-hmm. sort of motif yes. and, and it's, it's very quirky, very strange, quite difficult to play for that reason. Um, And in fact, our friend, the composer, Peter Ash, has written a very quirky and very funny piece, which is supposed to sort of lead Um, straight into it and which is full of silences and then outbursts and then masses of notes and then suddenly nothing at all. And it's got a fugue in the middle, etc. And then, with the third sonata that you're writing for, Elspeth, I'd say that that's where he's starting to explore kind of waves of sound and passage work, and there are all those huge arpeggios and kind of.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And one could imagine on his piano the entire range being used almost all the time. Which is extremely exciting, and it wouldn't be true to say that all of Beethoven's notes are, are, are equally thematic. And often his accompaniments are extremely interesting, and yes. they're never mundane, mm. and they always add something either extremely characteristic or extremely sonorous to the music. And, and do you actually, find
0: g- composers have picked up sometimes on. On the, the background of the, if you see what I mean, the background of the music.
2: Hugh Watkins, for instance, yeah. his his piece is largely based on a fragment of the accompaniment from, from the Spring Sonata. Oh, um, and he kind of um, elevates that, as it mm. were, and it's a wonderful um, kind of reflective piece that he's come up with.
0: But you've got some friends coming to join you in this series.
2: Yes, indeed, indeed. I mean, to... Uh, uh, two or three of our programs are augmented by other other pieces of Beethoven, bigger pieces. Um, we've already mentioned the the last one with the Opus ninety five, ninety six, and, and ninety seven. We're also going to be playing Beethoven's first Opus, um, the E flat piano trio. And for both that and the Archduke, we're going to be joined by Christoph Richter, who's a wonderful cellist. And then also, Christian um, and I have both been involved with a with a wonderful young quartet, the aurea Quartet. Um, they've came to my festival as as young resident artists and they've also been on a course of study with Krecia and now we've all played together um and they're going to play um, with Krecia on the viola the sort of rarely heard opus 29 string quinto it's absolute oh, great. masterpiece if you haven't heard that you should definitely come along because it's really exciting um a lyrical piece but it also flamboyant last movement and uh, it has sort of pastoral elements it's a, it's a kind of beethoven in fact that you, you don't really hear in the string quartets. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it's a sort of world of its own, really. Yes. But we all, we also involve two string quartets, um, two Beethoven quartets that Krecia's own quartet will be playing. Um, she can talk about that.
1: As part of the series here in King's Place, as part of Beethoven Plus, we will be playing his Opus 95 and his Opus 127. And the, the 127 is his great late quartet in E-flat yeah. e major. And we've indulgently decided to make a whole concert in E-flat major. So that'll be... <laughs> <laughs> That's the one with Elspeth's piece. That's the yes. one with Elspeth's
4: piece. Yes. I
2: could, could I t- cheekily ask Elspeth whether you're going to factor E-flat major into your piece?
4: Ooh. I am going to oh. it in. <laughs> I've got a nice quote from um, Burt Whistle oh, from wow. the book. Oh, what's it? Called? It's got a really nice title. I can't remember. Wild enough. tracks. Wild, Wild tracks by Fiona Maddox. Um, yes. Yeah, Beethoven had the disadvantage of tonality, whereas I don't. I can do what I like.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is an example right. of people not being
1: intimidated by Beethoven. <laughs>